Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. Amen. I want to talk to you about my favorite subject now. I like Clemson and I like football, but I really like Jesus. Amen. I want to tell you about this man, Jesus. This man that loves us. This man that died for us. This man that rose again. I, I, last week I talked about hope versus fear, and I challenged you to be bold, to take a stand. You see, we're coming to a time in life where, in, in the history of the church, where we no longer can be just good people. It's no longer all right to say, well, that's a good person. You're either a God person or you're not a God person. And so it's that time where we have to take a stand and boldly proclaim who we are and what side we have taken. And it is divisive. Trust me, the name of Jesus will divide people. And Jesus said that. He said, I, I didn't come to put this thing together. I came to bring a sword. And so sometimes we misunderstand and we try to make peace with the world. We try to, to unify ourselves with the world and, and nowhere are we instructed to join with the world. As a matter of fact, we're told we're in the world, but not of the world. And what we try to do is bring the world into the church rather than take the church into the world. And so this morning, I want to continue on this idea of, of hope versus fear and where we're called to. Remember this, the only thing greater than fear is hope. I love that statement. You give people hope, and they will storm the gates of hell. When people think they can't win, they will lay down and die. And so we want, us to, we want to be a people that are a people of hope, an expectation of something greater. Last week I read the whole scripture in Jeremiah 29. Today I'm just going to read 29.11. God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The only thing about this was, he said, after 70 years. Now that's not too good if you were 70 years old. And so when we, when we read this scripture, we have to understand that this is a promise to Israel. The, 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 the one body, the one called out, it was to Israel. We too often individualize the scriptures. And because we individualize it, we do not unify ourselves around what God is trying to do in the earth. And so instead of being a kingdom of priests, we become individual kings and priests and we minister in that way in our own authority and our own power and everything is centered around us and God said I'm not interested in it being centered around you I'm interested in it being centered around me and so we're called to this place and so he says I have a plan for Israel now I know he has a plan for each one of us too I'm not trying to discount that but when you when you miss the point that he has a plan for Israel then you bring it into this idea of singularity and you say, it's only about me. It's only about me. And so if that's the case, then you begin to lose hope because God already proclaimed through the prophet that it would be 70 years. And so if you're not careful, you'll do this woe is me thing rather than understand that your children or your children's children may walk in the victory that you haven't been able to walk in, but you have a hope for your children and for your children's children. And if you're not as excited for your children and your children's children, should Jesus tarry, then there's something wrong inside of you and you need to look and see who's on the throne. Amen. What we want to see is a glorious, victorious church. 
And so is there any promise to the church that said, I know the plans that I have for you? Yes, there is. There's, there's this promise of victory. If you read the end, of the end of the book, there's this book called Revelation. And in this book called Revelation, he reveals the plan that he has for his church. And his plan for the church is to be victorious. Now, it will look as if the church is being defeated. It will look that way. It kind of looked that way on the day Jesus was crucified, didn't it? It looked like it was all over, that Satan had won, and the king of glory was dead. Little did they know. Little did he know, three days later, he would ascend. And when he ascended, he took the captives, he took the keys to hell and the grave. And he said, death no longer has power over you. And so when we enter into this understanding that we are called to be the church, we're called to be the church. We're not called to be Southside Christian Fellowship. We're called to be the church. We're called to be unified. We need to understand there's a plan. And so in this boldness, we want to go together. We want to understand and help each other bring forth the kingdom and see the kingdom of God manifested in all of the earth. It's not about what's going on just with me. It's about what's going on with all of us so that we can grab hold of this hope that is within the church. And so we want to look at this one unified body serving Christ. We're trying to make peace with the world and we can't even make peace with each other. We look at everybody and we judge them by our own position and we judge them by our own faults and our frailties instead of understanding that God loves people. God loves people. And when he loves people, he's going he's to do what he can to reveal himself to them and we need to be part of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? That makes sense to you? In Luke 12, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, need, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Jesus just tells them straight up. He said, you're worrying about the wrong things. You're worrying about too much stuff. You're worried about how this is going to happen or how that's going to happen or how my bills are going to get paid. And so we walk in this place of torment and anxiety, and so we can't unify ourselves with each other to, see, to advance the kingdom of God because we're too concerned about what's happening in, in our individual lives. And rather than being warriors, we're warriors. And God's called us to be warriors, not warriors. We need, we need to understand that our God is in control and that God is going to take care of us. Now, I'm not telling you just go lay down and do nothing. I had a good friend who began to study these scriptures, and he quit his job, high-paying job. He quit his job, and he went home, and he began to sin. And month after month after month, he just sat. He lost his wife. He lost his job. He lost everything because he wasn't willing to go out there and do what he was called to do. That's not what the Lord is saying. That is not what the Lord is telling us to do. He's telling us to, 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 be, to be busy about the things of the kingdom. He's telling us to do the things that we're called to do and do them to His glory and to His honor and to make sure that He's glorified. I love it that people go to lunch for the purpose of, of prophesying and witnessing. People go to dinner for the purpose of prophesying and witnessing. Now see, that's putting the kingdom spin on everything you do. Wherever you go, wherever you go, you need to be able to, to see the kingdom. He said, don't worry about all this other stuff. He said, don't worry about it. 
How many of you worried about it? Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to feel condemned. Eddie, have you ever worried about it? Yes. Yes, I have. The Lord said, quit worrying. Quit being anxious. Remember what Isaiah said? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our what? Peace. What was the word of the day? Peace was upon him. And so if we're, if we're walking in anxiety, then we're not walking in him. We as the body. And so we as the body need to come to a place of peace. We need to come to this understanding that our God is in control. We need to understand that Jesus still sits on the throne, that he is king of kings and lord of lords, and that he has a plan, and his plan is going to come to fruition, that he has a hope for the church, and the church is going to fulfill the destiny that he has called us to. And what we need to do is make sure that we haven't got God on our side, that we're on his side. Amen? We need to be a part of who God, a part of what God is doing in the earth and quit worrying about everything else. In Luke 12, 25, he goes on and he says, And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? How many of you have ever worried yourself into an extra hour? I worried for a few hours and wasted a few hours. Wouldn't it have been much better if we'd have been rejoicing in the Lord rather than worrying? We need to add something to our soul. I'm not talking about our spirit. I'm talking about our soul now. I'm talking about what we begin to change in our mind and our will and, our, and all of our emotions if we just begin to worship the Lord. When I got here this morning, I was a, it was a, I was a little bit under what all's been going on. It's been a rough two or three weeks at my house. And so all of this stuff begins to pile up, and I, I really don't know what I'm going to be able to do with Daddy, and I don't know how this thing's going to work out. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm going, Lord, I just don't know. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about that. And all of a sudden, we start worshiping, and all that stuff goes whew, right out the door. I go, I'd rather be here than anywhere else in the world. I would rather worship with you all than be anywhere else in the entire world. I promise you that. I feel safe and secure when I'm in the presence of believers because I know that if I'm in the presence of the believers, I'm in the presence of the king himself. And so I, I just want to tell you that he says that anxiety and anxiousness, you can't even change not a minute. There's a drug out that guarantees, not guarantees, but has the hope, let's put it that way, maybe it's even a little less than that, has the testing that proves that it can extend your life over cancer. That's pretty good, isn't it? And the full round of treatments only cost about $600,000. And your insurance won't cover it. I don't know about y'all, but that eliminates me. But this is, the, this is the other thing. You got any idea how much time it adds to your life? The test results max it out at 17 days. Wow, is right. Now, don't discount the fact that they found a drug that they can treat cancer with, and from that they will develop other drugs. And so I don't want to look at that. But I'm telling you, we will do everything we can, if we could, in order to extend our life. How do you know? Because people are buying that drug. They're buying that treatment. And they're extending their life by 17 days. We, we, we try to hold on so tightly to this, to this life. We try to hold on so much to this world. We don't realize what's going on. We love the world more than we love what's before us. And God said it's the hope that's set before us. 
It's the expectation of what is to come, not what has gone by. We are sojourners. If you can't settle that in your heart, your mind, and your spirit, if you're an earth dweller, you're going to have plenty of anxiety. You're going to have plenty of fear. You're going to have plenty of torment. You're going to have plenty of, of all these other things going on in your heart, mind, and spirit because you've not yet settled who you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a kingdom man or woman. I'm here temporarily at best. The only one that could have lived forever went to the cross. Amen. Let me go on. I'm, I digress. If then you are not able to do as, as small a thing as that, that means add one hour of lifespan, why are you so anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I will tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? There you go. And we just get our little feelings hurt. You say, I've got a little faith. Well, get over it. Jesus said, Jesus said, if you're going to worry, then you have little faith. If you're going to worry about the things that are going on, we've not been called to worry. We've been called to be agents of change in the earth. We've been called to make a difference in the earth while we're here. We've been called to walk a different walk. We ought not look like the world looks. We ought not act like the world acts. We ought to be a people that exude the love of God. Amen? Amen, Naomi, that's what you're talking about. Jim, that's what you were talking about. That's just the love of God. You had compassion on the people that didn't have enough money to pay for their own groceries. Look what the Scripture says. The Scripture said he'll take care of them. Did God take care of them or did you take care of them? God took care of them. Amen. Because he knew that need was going to be there. He knew you were going to be there. He knew you were going to be there. And he knew you would have a heart to reach out in your own pocket and pay for what was going on. You see, that's not just by coincidence and not by chance. That is an ordained thing of God for those people because God wants to reveal himself to another people. Amen? Amen. Come on, give God praise. Just give God praise. He said, don't worry about it. Luke 12, 29. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. How many times does he say this? Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't fear. Walk in that place of security. What is that place of security? It's faith. What is faith? It's a hope and an expectation that God is who he says he is and he does what he says he'll do. Amen? I believe that. As a matter of fact, I confess that every day of my life. And if God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he can do, then I am who God says I am and I can do what he says I can do. Amen? Some of us don't believe that. Do you believe it? It doesn't do you any good if you don't believe it. And I can't believe it for you. I can't cause you to walk in that place of faith. Only you can grab hold of what God said. And so I believe the church is going to be victorious. Everybody talks about the decline of the church in America, the decline in the church in America. Can I tell you the church is not declining in America? There is a group of people that are serving God more fully than they've ever served in this lifetime. There, and it's growing, and it's growing, and it's growing. You're believing the lies of the enemy, not the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God is moving in the United States of America. God is moving around the globe. There are more people coming to Jesus around the globe than have ever in the history of the church going on right this minute. Come on. The churches aren't filling up. The church is filling up. The church is filling up. God's got a harvest going on. 
We just need to get on board with it. God's got a harvest, and we, got, we have to be a part of what he's doing. He says, he, look what he said, do not seek what you eat, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that, what you need, that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Look what he goes on to say. He said, get into the place where you've got God as the authority over your life, where that Jesus really is Lord, not something that you just say. But you really have given him control because you have submitted your life to him and say, Lord, where you go, I'll go. What you do, I'll do. What you say, I'll say. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I am committed and submitted to your lordship. You're not just Lord in word, but you're going to be Lord in deed. Amen. Come on, give God praise. He needs, he, he, he wants a people that will seek after him that will be kingdom dwellers. And kingdom dwellers are not people that go and hide. Kingdom dwellers are bold people. They are people that wear not the cross, they wear Jesus. Come on. An encounter with you ought to be an encounter with Jesus. And when it's not, you need to repent. I've had to repent a few times this week. Amen. We won't go into all that. He says, God knows what you need. He said, quit worrying about that. Work on your relationship with him. Church, if we got one person that's close to God, that's great. But what if we got a church that's close to God? What if we got a group of people that say we won't turn back? What if we had 12 men and women that just said we refuse? We're going to burn for Jesus. You might turn the world upside down. Happen once, why not again? Look what he says. He said, the world seeks after everything that the church has been seeking after. And, and Jesus is saying, don't be like the world. I'll take care of all that. I'll, I'll take care of what you need. Oh, us of little faith. Will he or won't he? Either he's God or he's not. Look what he says here in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Woo. We just kind of gloss over that because we don't know what that means. We don't know what that means. He said, I'm going to give you authority in the government of God. What? I just want you to understand that God's, God's raising up a people that have authority in the heavens. That they declare a thing because they declare it from a heavenly perspective and not an earthly perspective. They're part of the kingdom of God. They're not part of the kingdom of this earth. They're not doing what they think should be done. They're doing what God is saying to do in the earth. Let me give you a little, let me give you a little example on myself. I'm riding home from, from John David and Stacy's house from Fayetteville. I left in the third quarter of the football game. Paul told me to preach on the game, so that's what I'm going to do. So I'm riding home, and I said, okay, Lord, and in case you don't know this, God and I play these games all the time. I said, God, I said, when's Clemson going to take the lead? No, I'm a man of faith. I knew it wasn't a matter of if. I knew it was only when. And so the Lord said, somewhere, he said, he said it's in the three-minute mark. Okay. So I got home. I got myself settled in. I laid down in the bed. I cut the television on to watch the end of the game. And sure enough, three minutes and 33 seconds, Clemson goes ahead. But then that said to me that Clemson was going to win. And I just assumed Clemson was going to win. Because that's what I wanted to happen. 
Can I tell you that's the way we prophesy a lot of times? Is we hear clearly to start off with, and then we add to that what we want. And when we add to that what we want, we miss it. Or when we don't ask God for the complete fullness of that revelation. That's when we begin to miss these things. And so he says, seek my kingdom, seek my will, seek my way, seek to do what I want you to do in the earth. Eddie, do you really believe God told you that? I told you, we play that game all the time. Why? Because I want to know if I'm hearing. And God doesn't mind telling me. And since he knows the future from the, from the very, since he knows the future from the beginning, he knows. Sometimes it's just uncanny because he'll tell me stuff and I'll go, God, now I just have to go to sleep because you've ruined the whole thing for me. Y'all don't think that's true, but I told you the story about watching the Braves play. And I said, who's going to win? And he said, the other team. I said, how do I know that? He said, because the next person that stands up is going to strike out. The next person is going to hit it to the shortstop and throw him out, and the Braves are going to lose in the next inning. First guy struck out. Next guy hit it to the shortstop, and he threw him out, and I just cut the TV off. Woke up the next morning. Sure enough, the Braves had lost. And I oh, okay. God, you just ruined a baseball game for me. Why? Because if you listen, he'll speak. If, you, if you'll just begin to listen, he will speak to you. And, and then you can put the kingdom first. Not your will be done, but his will be done. And so we're, we're called into this place of hearing what God says. We're called into this place of walking in kingdom perspective. We're called to this place of seeing from the heavenly realm and not from the earthly realm. We try to figure it out from right here on earth. And God said, I've got a solution. I am the solution. Look at it from above and not from below. He's called us into this place. In Romans 14, 17, he said, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We like to say we got the Holy Spirit. We like to say that we're kingdom dwellers. Well, kingdom dwellers dwell in the place of righteousness, peace, and joy. So when our righteousness, our peace, and our joy is being shaken like a tree, then we have to ask ourselves, am I operating in the kingdom or am I tr putting my trust in my ability to handle the situation? Who, want, who do I want to be in control? Do I want myself to be in control or do I want God to be in control? And if I'm honest, most of the time I want to control what's going on. Turn to your neighbor and say, you control freak you. We like being in control, don't we? We want to control what's going on. But he said, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's righteousness. It's being in right relationship with God. He said, it's peace. It's not worrying about all the stuff that's going to happen and joy. Did he say there wouldn't be tribulation? No, he did. He said there would be tribulation. The church is going to go through tribulation. The church is going to go through challenging, challenging times. And when we go through those challenging times, we can either manifest the kingdom or we can manifest the world. When we manifest the kingdom, we've told our, we've told our flesh to line up. We've quit listening to what the flesh said and say, I'm going to listen to the Spirit. And the Spirit says to rejoice. Even in all of these things, he said to rejoice. He told me that mourning only lasts for a season, but joy comes in the morning. And so when I begin to rejoice in God, my whole man is changed because I, I do not have to be in control. Do you know what God had to do in the last 69 years to teach that? He had to show me beyond any shadow of a doubt that I wasn't in control of anything. I just thought I was, just like some of you. We think we're in control. We are under a delusion. And because we're under that delusion, we try to make things happen rather than seeking the kingdom and letting the kingdom come forth. He's talking about a kingdom. He's talking about a kingdom of glory. 
Look what Paul said. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to reveal to, to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. You see, the glory of God is the invisible qualities of God made visible. Jesus was the glory of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus was the glory of God. Why? Because he made the invisible visible. What, what, what we beheld in him, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now guess what? He has relegated that glory to the church. Not his glory, but the glory of revealing Jesus. And in revealing Jesus, revealing the Father to the church. Am I making sense to anybody today? Okay, and so if he's given us that opportunity, then he said, I, he said, the whole creation is just waiting for the church to manifest in the glory of God. Now, we've taken that to mean signs, wonders, and miracles, and all that other stuff, and that is a part of it because that's what Jesus did. And when we begin to see it, but what he's talking about is the manifestation of the love and the compassion of, of God so that we are a revelation of who Jesus was, so that when they see Jesus, they will be compelled to repent because of the goodness of God, and in their repentance, they will come to know Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to anybody? He's called us into a glorious place. And he's, we are chosen vessels. We've been chosen to reveal the glory of God on the earth. Who is the glory of God? Jesus Christ. Will he use signs, wonders, and miracles? You better bet your bottom dollar. He said these signs will follow those that believe. And so when we begin to understand that, then the signs, wonders, and miracles, are they relevant? Absolutely. But do they take prominence? Absolutely not. You see, God did that, Jesus did that to reveal the compassion of the Father. He revealed the heart of the Father towards the sick, the needy, the lame, the dying. He revealed all that to the dead. Jesus revealed all that. And he's saying, I've called my church to be that as well. I've called my church to, to make visible what's invisible. Y'all missed a good time to say Amen. See, we can't focus on the world and the kingdom at the same time. We'll either focus on the world or we'll focus on bringing glory and honor to God. And if we're bringing glory and honor to God, we have a promise. He said, I'll take care of all this other stuff. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about your eating. You don't have to worry about drinking. You don't have to worry about your bank account. All you got to do is stay focused on me. Keep your eyes focused on me. I believe in a glorious church. I believe in the transforming power of the church. In Acts 4.31, it said, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. I love that scripture. They'd already been filled with the Spirit. They were refilled with the Spirit. They come into this place. They've been, they've been, they've been persecuted. They refused to quit talking about Jesus. And they said, We want more boldness. We want more boldness. I don't know how you could be any more bold than Paul Paul, they wanted to kill him. They had the, Rome has to send an army to take him out. And so they're taking him out. And on the way, he said, wait, I got one more thing to say. He looks at him, you stiff-necked bunch of jerks. Y'all need to receive Jesus. And so, you know, you can't get much bolder than that. Amen. Peter and John were not wimps. These were men of boldness. Men who were not afraid to put the kingdom of God on display. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And they bowed down and they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we didn't do anything. 
Jesus is the one that came. And so he says that was shaken. Can I tell you that we, we, we get shaken by the world all the time. But glory means like a shaken tree. That means when we walk in the glorious kingdom, we should be shaking the planet. When the enemies of Israel understood about the God of Israel, they quaked when the shout of Israel came forth. When the shout of victory from the church comes forth, the enemy shakes and the earth begins to quiver at the God that we serve. Not at us, but at our God. I read this to you last week, and I'm going to read it to you one more time. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. King James says, from glory to glory. One commentator said, from grace to grace. That's only if you understand grace's empowerment. But he said, I want to bring you from glory to glory. I want to bring the revelation of the kingdom in you to greater and greater and greater and greater measure. I want you to reveal my heart. I want you to reveal the Father's heart. I want you to reveal my love. I want you to reveal my power. I want you to reveal my lordship. I want you to reveal my son in the earth. Holy Spirit said, I've come to, to, to that I might glorify the son because he glorified the Father. Are we glorifying the Son? Are we glorifying the Son? Are we making His name known? Psalm 27, 1. David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Let me read that again. My heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Look what he's saying here. He said, David said, I don't care who comes against me. I don't care what comes against me. I don't care how they come against me because I want to dwell in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is my defender. The Lord is the sword. The Lord is our buckler. The Lord stands in this place for the church. And he's saying he will have a glorious bride. The church will take her rightful place. And then he goes on and he tells Peter. He tells Peter, he said, on this rock I will build my church. My church. Not Southside Christian Fellowship. Not First Baptist Church. Not another church. He said, I'll build my church. How would you like to go to God's church? We can join today. If we part of him, we part of his church. His glorious church. But we got to understand who we are, what we are, what we're called to do. Because when we refuse to do that, we don't recognize, we don't have a full revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's through the revelation of Jesus that we begin to understand that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The gates representing the authority of hell. And, and God is saying, say this again, God is saying, God is saying, Holy Spirit just said that the gates of hell, Jesus just said, the gates of hell. God the Father just said, the gates of hell cannot withstand the onslaught of the church if they have a revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, give God praise. Give God praise. 
How about you, me? Are we willing to surrender? Are you willing to surrender at all? Are you willing to give it all to Jesus? Say, God, life that I live is not mine but yours. So that we can say like Paul, it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. You can stand to your feet. Last week I brought up two, two worldly men that just by taking a stand changed whole nations. Today I want to challenge you again. Stand as the church. Be unshakable. Let the church be the church. Let the church bring forth all the glory of the Most High. Do you realize that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? You've been called to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus. God Himself abides within each of you. And the Holy Spirit is saying, Glorify the Son, that the Father might be high and lifted up. The Holy Spirit said that you're living stones, that you're to be joined together, that we're to be built on the foundational stone of Jesus Christ. Show the strength of Jesus. Well, Eddie, I'm just a man. I'm just human. I'm just a woman. I keep telling you, quit confessing a lie. You're a brand new creation. You're not just anything. You are God's chosen vessel. Let him be glorified. The Lord said he'd given you power to tread on scorpions and serpents. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Why? Because you're the church. You're his called. You're his set apart. He has called you to do a special work. And when he's called you to do a special work, he means for you to go about the business. And so this morning, my challenge to you is be the church. Be the church. We come together here to be encouraged, to be built up. The challenges of the world are real. But so is the power of the Holy Spirit. So is the power of God. So is the peace of God. Do we have a hope? You better believe it. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, and He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.